Hello and welcome to the Max Moo Theater and Performance Podcast. This is Lindsay Behrens. This is our first podcast of 2016. We kick off with a preview of New York City's January theater festivals. Enjoy the show. All right. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Happy New Year. And I renew my call for someone to write a version of that song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, regarding the January theater festivals. That's a Challenge accepted. Niche market, but I guess Jack's going to do it. No, I, probably not. I, I've asked for this repeatedly. I've considered doing it myself, but we all know that would not be wise. No, I kind of want that, actually, more than anything, is you I, to rewrite the song. No, no, I can't. I am the appreciator, not the artist. Can we commission uh, a favorite composer of ours or lyricist <laughs> to do it? I think that'd be fun. If we all put like $5 in a pot. Yeah. <laughs> and we called could run up somebody. a Kickstarter for it. Yeah. The $20 song about festivals. Yeah. <laughs> all right, listeners, if you're out there, this is what we want. We love the January theater festival season. Yeah. Yes. I was explaining to someone over the weekend that, in my opinion, this is the most exciting time of the year in New York City theater, period. It's my favorite yeah. time of the year, for sure. It's. Um, I feel like we should just spend time talking about why that is before we jump into specifics, right? Well, why do you think it is, Jack? Well, uh, see how you turned it back on me like that? Um, I love it because it's the only time of year where, I mean, first of all, January for the uh, sort of traditional theaters is a kind of a dead time. Things are just starting to get into rehearsals, and we won't start seeing stuff jumping into previews for the most part until February. Mm -hmm. So that's why these festivals take place in January because there's not a whole lot going on. And it's this time where you get a lot of international work, you got to get a lot of multidisciplinary work, dance and opera and comedy and weird performance arts, for lack of a better term, all sort of occupying these off-Broadway spaces and beyond Manhattan and I love it because I get to oftentimes like three times a night sit down in a theater chair having no fucking idea what I'm about to see and that's my favorite thing when this because we were I work in an industry where I know so much about so many artists going into their shows and I actually for the for the one time of the year I actually get to go in completely blind and have my mind um melted a little bit yeah I I went to Under the Radar before I ever went to Fringe, just because of when I moved to New York. And Under the Radar is what I thought Fringe was going to be. No mm. offense to Fringe, which I do enjoy going to. But like the quality and the quality of the weirdness that I get at Under the Radar and Coil yeah. and, and in all these festivals uh, is it, just so exciting. And I love the opportunity to see so many international pieces yeah. as well. Uh, see what other countries are working on. Actually, some of my picks are only because of where they're coming from, less so what they are. Lot, yeah. And just seeing what everyone else around the world is working on and is proud of and is sending over and what's mm. coming through. Yeah, it's also great because it for those of you out there who consider yourselves not particularly risk-taking theater goers, this is literally the best time of the year in New York to test your limits. Yeah, because you can just because because the stakes are low. Tickets are usually cheap, between ten and twenty dollars, and you just plop it down and try something weird. Yeah, the they're really well curated too. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's like all the best weirdos come to town. The circus is here. Yeah, the circus is in town. That's Literally what it feels like. Literally this year, yeah. there is a there, I know, I'm so excited. There's a circus. A circus festival. Yes. I didn't know anything about it. I'm, I'm going to be there all the Guys. damn time. Oh, I yeah? Love it. Yeah. I love 
the circus. Oh, circus. Those are my people, man. I love it. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that you guys are excited because yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love an acrobat, but that's I beyond don't... that. I have no idea what goes on there. <laughs> Jack, we're going to go to the circus. <laughs> we're going to go to the circus. And Lindsay, who loves an acrobat. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. And also, well, how many shows are you guys planning to see in this festival? Do you have, how many shows do you have tickets for? I... I'm a little embarrassed by my number. <laughs> um, I have tickets to nothing yet because um, <laughs> that's how I operate. Yeah, right. Um, but I have pretty much every night the next couple weeks free so i think i'm just gonna pack them all in yeah see what happens (laughs) yeah i'm only in the like five to seven range at the moment but i i know i just i I, like liz i've not yet planned out my agenda quite yet i want to point out that um apap posted a great spreadsheet you can download that shows you each night what show from any of the festivals are playing the link to tickets how much tickets are and and organize it all for you that way which is great and when i was planning my list today it was based a lot on their that sounds like an excellent resource because i find myself toggling between all the different festivals yeah it has all the different things all the festivals awesome yes so liz tweeted that we retweeted that but we will also include a link to that on the uh episode page incredibly helpful please do it again next year Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, let's get started. Why don't you kick us off, Jack? Okay. Um, so a couple things right at the top. Uh, because um, I work at the Just Pat Public Theater and my views are my own. Uh, oh, we didn't do intros. We didn't. Oh. Well, that was my intro. I'm Jack, and I work at the Public Theater, and my and, views are my own. <laughs> yes. um, the Public Theater also is uh, the home of one of the festivals, the Under the Radar Festivals, Liz mentioned. And I have elected to not talk about any of those because I will be seeing all of them because I'm a good company man and all also because they're going to be amazing. But I'll let you guys take the reins on Under the Radar. So yeah, I'm Jack. Oh, and I'm Liz. And I always say, fuck yeah, great plays. But also, I have another podcast what? that I never get to mention. I know. Let's go. Um, it's called Bloody Date Night. And my boyfriend, who's a huge horror nerd, and I don't see any of them watch horror movies separately and come together and talk about them. And it's... I get to be an expert on this podcast and not at all on that one. And it's fun. So check it out. If you like my voice, there's more of it. <laughs> we love your voice, Liz. Oh, you have nice. the best podcasting voice. Oh, thanks. Yeah, easily. And I'm Lindsay, the founder of Maximu. All right. Now let's really... Oh, that's going to be... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on airplane mode. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> put it on podcast mode. You may touch the table, but you may not pound or vibrate things on the table. <laughs> I'm going to test the limits of that. All right, Jack, you kick us off now. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start uh, by talking about a show I'm very excited about called The Holler Sessions. Um, what? I don't think I was really excited. I was going to no, talk about that. You okay, can talk, go ahead. We can, we can, we can tag team it. Um, this is a, a solo show that is going to be part of the COIL Festival. Uh, COIL is a festival that is based at uh, PS122, which, of course, is the downtown sort of vanguard of performance art. Uh, experimental theater has been around for a while. Um, however, they're, uh, I, are they still under renovations of PS122? Yes, but so, uh, yeah. supposedly yeah. this year they will be back in their space, <laughs> I have heard. And we'll get the Second Avenue subway, of course. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, so so the shows that, P- that Co- the Coil Festival is putting on are all over the city. Um, the, this one is at the Paradise Factory, which is on East Fourth Street, uh, just literally a couple doors down from La Mama, um, if you're familiar with that area. So the Holler Sessions. Frank Boyd wrote and is performing this. Um, this is a guy who I've been tangentially familiar with for a long time, mostly because he's been associated with some of the great experimental theater companies in the United States, including Elevator Repair Service, who uh, at this point, if you're a listener to this podcast, you should know well. 
well um, for their adaptations of Great Gatsby and uh, 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 Hemingway novels and Faulkner novels. Uh, this is a show that's also being presented uh, with another one of his cohorts, The Team, run by Rachel Chavkin, that uh, rather familiar face in a lot of these festivals, and he's also done some work with Young Gene Lee's theater company. So he's got his experimental theater bona fides. Um, the main reason I'm excited for this show, though, is because it's... The Holland Session centers around um, this one man's uh, obsession for jazz. Um, and so Frank Boyd plays this Kansas City DJ who essentially is just sort of, sort of free associating about his love for jazz music and all the things that it has meant um, in American culture, all the things it means today, some of the things that jazz has lost, some of the things that um, it has become. And it's just going to be this crazy, brilliant guy just screaming about jazz and playing some tunes for about 70 minutes. And I'm very excited about that to see if that can actually work. I should have known you were going to pick that show. I should have just known. Why? Um, I don't know. It just sounds like a Jack sort of show. Yeah. Um, but Is anyway. it improvised or scripted? It sounds like it's scripted. Yeah, I think it's scripted. Yeah. Um, he's listed as the writer-performer. Yeah. So... Hopefully, a so little bit. So we'll see. I mean, it, and it, all the marketing blurbs and everything I've heard about this show, it just sounds like he is, uh, as a performer, for lack of a better term, a ranter. Sort of, this is going to be a series or perhaps one long manic rant about the glories of jazz music, um, which I think is probably appropriate because some of the great forms of jazz, um, certainly the more experimental forms of jazz in this country, do feel like manic rants um, themselves. So uh, I'm very interested to see what this looks like. So if you like jazz, come join me at that. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited about that because of uh, Team and Rachel Chavkin, who has her hand in a couple of Coil shows. She's busy. I know. I like her. She's becoming one of my new favorite uh, people to watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, the team in general is great, but I keep seeing her name pop up over and over. Um, So I was excited about that. Uh, Rosa Velvis last year was one of my favorite performances all last year so i am looking forward to that that kicked off the coil festival i think last year Mm -hmm. yeah i think it was the first show that i saw last year i think it was mine too cool yeah so yeah the holler sessions uh paradise factory presented by the coil festival cool Cool. all right uh i'm gonna go with since jack stole holler sessions from me (laughs) uh i'm gonna go with art of love one uh, under the radar because i know jack can't talk about that one (laughs) i will actually because i saw it oh Okay. Um, Keep going. Anyway, uh, Art of Love One Elliot is by the fantastically named Royal Osiris Karaoke Ensemble, which automatically caught my eye because a karaoke show is uh, something I am always drawn to, uh, even if I don't participate and I'm confused and sometimes it's terrible. Um, But so Art of Love is based on Elliot Roger, who... um, shot a bunch of women in a rampage in 2014 uh, and he was the one who went out and said that it was because women rejected him and this is the University of Santa Barbara yeah right? University yeah. of Santa Barbara and he's very into that sort of meninist men's rights activism mm-hmm. and uh, reddit and all of those things and so this is a meditation on masculinity love and longing that confronts humanity's common search for love as we misunderstand it uh, ritual performance based on a cycle of found love stories. Mm-hmm. So that segment, meditation on found love stories, I'm also a sucker for that. But the Elliot Rogers story hit such a 
huge place in my gut when it happened, just being a, a woman who's dealt with having to reject men and going, oh, so now they might chew me for that. <laughs> and it just, it really, I, like, I remember hearing the news and just like bursting into tears because I just felt so overwhelmed by that type of society. So I'm excited to see that presented theatrically mm-hmm. uh, in a, I don't know, I'm just, I'm always interested in the artistic value of ritual as well. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it has some very heavy things that I enjoy seeing. And then also um, a karaoke ensemble. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. It sounds like a great mix of serious and weird and a political issue that was uh, very uh, affecting for me. So yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah, some of you uh, listeners might be familiar with the show. This was uh, in Under the Radar last year as well, an early version of this in our in the festival within the festival called Incoming. Um, and so this was presented as sort of a very early draft of this for just a couple of nights last year, which I got a chance to see. Uh, it's a really weird show, and I'm very excited to see how it's developed over the last year. So uh, just, but it's not a karaoke show. I will say that. They use the name karaoke for reasons that um, I don't understand because I've never seen them actually involve karaoke. And there's, But the I suppose there is... If you think about it, you should see it and tell me if you agree with me. There is, an, I guess, an element of this show that could be considered a form of karaoke. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's going to be my tease for the show. Experimental um, karaoke. Yeah, Stay tuned. It's, yeah, but the found uh, love story thing is is a, is how this uh, sort of piece has, was created. Um, it's a lot of found objects and found video. Um, oh, I love found objects. And work. it's really this really creepy meditation on loneliness in which the Elliot story is sort of used as like the extreme, the when uh, lovelorn loneliness is sort of warped into pandemonium. Cool. Like it's it's craziness. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. Hooray. Cool. All right. I want to talk about Morphia series at Coil, which is a dancer. Her name's Helen Herbertson, and she works in partnership with a lighting designer named Ben Cob- Cobham. Shoot, I don't know quite how to say his okay. name. Um Cobham? No, it's C O B H A M. Um, so it's these, a great way to kick off the year. It's fine. <laughs> we can't pronounce their names still. Our first mangled name of the year. Apologies. <laughs> um, so the reason I am super excited about this show is because um, it is a dance show, which is not normally something I would immediately gravitate to. But in talking with some folks from PS122, they are super excited about this show because this woman is apparently a legendary performer in Australia, where the executive director of PS122 is from. And they are thrilled to finally, I got the sense that there had been an effort to get this team to come to the United States and perform in New York City for many, many years. And now this is finally it. So this is a very short show for a very small number of audience members. Each performance is only for 12 people. And... The performance is only 18 minutes. And Amazing. it is a combination of dance, text, sound, image, you know, as they call them visual haikus. Oh, I want it. What? Yeah. And I went and looked at some reviews for this show that were all very sensitive to the fact that they didn't want to spoil anything about it. So they were just like glowing, but very short on information. 
this is one of the, I think, hot sellers of the festival. So there are still tickets available. I believe there will still be tickets available when you are listening to this. But you should act quickly because it's very short and for a very small number of audience members. So each night that it plays, there are three different performances of it. Mm. Um, and many of them are already sold out. Shit. So if you're interested right. in this... Act quickly. The tickets are $20, and it's Barishnikov Art Center. Barishnikov, cool. Okay. Dang. Oh, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Cool. The next thing I will talk about is um, at the Prototype Festival. Uh, for those who don't know, Prototype uh, is one of what I refer to as the big three festivals under the radar coil and Prototype. This uh, festival, it particularly focuses on opera, um, and actually, in particular, chamber opera, um, although it right and left challenges what you think of when I say the word opera. Um, so, for example, last year we had um, Kansas City Choir Boy in the Prototype Festival, which was an opera by uh, a, f- a favorite of this podcast, Todd Allman, starring Courtney Love. That was decidedly not Mozart. Um, so, you know, expand your ideas of what uh, opera is. Um, so uh, that was sort of the the red-letter, uh, big-time uh, centerpiece of last year's Prototype Festival. Uh, this year's sort of big centerpiece, uh, one of them anyway, is The Last Hotel, which is composed by uh, Donacha Dennehy and written by Enda Walsh, who is also represented in town currently uh, with uh, Lazarus at New York Theatre Workshop and wrote the book to once and is just a tremendous, tremendous Irish playwright. Um, this sounds very interesting. Um, so Prototype is presenting this in uh, co-production with and at St. Anne's Warehouse in Brooklyn. Um, if you haven't been to their lovely new space yet, it is gorgeous. And uh, they're also doing this in, uh, in collaboration with the Irish Arts Center, too. Uh, so this sounds really interesting. It's uh, There's a woman who meets uh, a couple uh, in a hotel parking lot uh, by what I imagine is uh, uh, the coast of Ireland. And uh, they're there to, they're not sure why they're there. And then slowly, what you come to understand is that this couple is there to assist this woman with her own suicide. So that's what I know about this show. Oh, okay. Cause, well, <laughs> no, no, no. Because I was looking at that show because Lindsay and I were talking about it. And I read the blurb and I didn't realize that's what it was. It was just like three people, mysterious circumstances, hotel. But I didn't know what the mystery. Yeah, and so I kind of blew it off because I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah. Now, okay. The cool. reason I'm interested more interested. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in in these. I'm interested in this for a couple reasons. I'm not familiar uh, because I'm not really plugged into the musical slash opera world as much as I should be. But the but uh, Denacha Dennehy, I'm not familiar with him. Um, but uh, and Walsh is someone that I've become recently more fascinated with because I think that as he's doing more high profile and like huge. Um, uh, more, um, what's the word, more theatrical, more expensive, more commercial endeavors. Uh, Let the Right One In, for example, his adaptation of that that he did at St. Anne's Warehouse uh, earlier this year was this mm. massive undertaking. Um, and, I'm just, and I'm just interested in how he balances the highly theatrical with what I think is his particular talent as a playwright, which is the mundane and the quotidian. And I love watching him figure out how to balance those two. I think he did it really well in Once. Um, and I think the jury's out on how, if he succeeded or not in Lazarus. So there's a lot of differing opinions about that show. But anyway, I'm conti- I'm excited to see this primarily to see Enda Walsh continue to grapple with those two seemingly opposed uh, theatrical devices or, or tones. Okay, mm-hmm. Liz. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh, Disco Tropic, Nivacostec Coil. Yeah, that gels. It's yeah. all on all our lists. <laughs> it's on everybody's list. <laughs> we all, I know. We're all gonna go together because <laughs> it sounds so good. So yeah. it's part of Coil, and 
It explores the relationship between science fiction, disco, astrophysics, and the black American experience. Finally. And, yeah. Someone's bringing it all together. So finally. Uh, but the, the story is fascinating. I, I mean, the confession here is that I uh, just watched Star Wars. I mean, like all the Star Wars recently. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I've never seen them. Um, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. No, I'll let you finish. So I didn't tell anybody. Um, I'm going to let you finish. I finally have seen all the Star Warses. And Including the prequels? Okay, this is where it gets really bad. I saw the prequels in theaters and nothing else. <laughs> I know. Woo! <laughs> no, I'm terrible. No, no. Well, I, I can now understand why you didn't continue on that journey. Because you were probably like, this is a horrible thing. Why does everyone like this? It's so dumb. I think you should talk about Disco Traffic before things get... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I know. So I don't tell people my, real my, fast. my dark Star Wars history. Um <sighs> So anyway, so because of all this, because I kind of got assaulted with all of the Star Wars all at once, um, I, I've been doing so much reading because I'm so behind on my nerd discourse. And um, so this show is a lot about women in sci-fi and specifically black women in mm. sci-fi uh, and focuses on Diane Carroll, who was in the Star Wars holiday special, uh, which I've now seen. Oh, and well, you've really seen the entire... Yeah, yeah. I... I I can't half-ass it. No. Like, I started on one, and then I was like, I have to see everything. I need to know all of it. Impressive. Yeah. Um, so I've been deep in that recently. Uh, so she, Diane Carroll, I didn't know this story. She was cast by NBC uh, because they needed a black person on the show. And so she only shows up as a hologram? Right, yeah. Yeah. Mmm, weird. Uh, so... This show is addressing the way that the black female body has been consumed as silent, bodacious, and marginalized, a holographic fantasy. Wow. Uh, so I, it just sounds incredible, and I'm very excited about it. That's interesting. I wonder if the show will in any way um, tackle uh, Uhura. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big, I was wondering that. Because I'm not a Star Trek person by any stretch of the imagination, but the, the little I do know about it was like, you know, the famously like the the first interracial kiss on television was right. on Star Trek between... Um, I mean, I would imagine if you're going to address black women in science fiction, like, those are your she options. Has to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the, I mean, those are the big ones. It's not a long list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was curious about that too. Oh, maybe we'll see. That cool. show sounds super interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it hit everyone's radar. And yeah. where is that happening? Where can it's we see it? West Beth, isn't it? I didn't write that down. Sorry. We're gonna find out. I just wrote down that it was at Coil. All right, we'll get there. All right, I want to turn to a new festival, the Exponential Festival. Oh, so just yeah. to, well, I'm not gonna talk about every show there. There's plenty <laughs> of room for us all to participate, Jack. Okay. <laughs> So just to give a little landscaping, you have Coil and Under the Radar, which are what I consider to be sort of the grandfather and grandmother of the January festival season. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then you have a couple of festivals, um, Prototype, which Jack mentioned, which is only a couple years old, but right. has come on very strongly and is now a mainstay of the season and brings a really rich... Um, element to the season of opera, as you mentioned, and musical theater, which I think they would recoil at me using that statement to apply recoil. to their... Yeah. <laughs> full of the puns here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, at, to what they do, but like I think that is a lot of what they do. Sure. Um, and I think they do it wonderfully, and I think that's to be celebrated, not um, to be embarrassed yeah, by. Yeah, sure. Um, then, historically, you've had other festivals kind of 
pop up here and there and unfortunately they have died um some have died along with um the venues that we've lost in the city unfortunately like saint mark's used to have a festival and now that venue is closed there um so uh, one festival that I will definitely talk about later is American Realness, and that is at Abrams and the Wild Project, um, and they kind of do dance theater hybrids. Um, yeah. There, there are others. There are many others actually. Um, but in a couple days ago, reading the New York Times actually about the Prototype Festival, at the bottom they have a long list of all the festivals going on, and there were things listed there I had never heard of, and I was quite shocked happily surprised to know that in the wake of these festivals past that have unfortunately met their demise new things are popping up and one of them is the exponential festival and it is taking place all at brooklyn venues and it is being curated by these two new york-based artists Teresa buckheister and eliza bent and i went through the list of plays and i just thought Everything. I want to see absolutely every single thing that is being presented at this show. And it's a really interesting combination of things that have already been in New York City and getting these encore performances, which I think is a fantastic idea. It drives me crazy that there are wonderful performance pieces that are created and brought to life and then never seen again. That is one of, I think, the great tragedies of theater. Um, So there are several things there that are encore performances that I'm super excited about but there are also some new things and so the one I'm going to talk about is by Banana Bag and Bodice which is a Brooklyn-based theater company that I first heard about a couple years ago at the Mini Forest Fringe Mm. that Nicole and I talked about quite a bit on this episode. That's why it sounds vaguely familiar. Okay. Now I did not get to see them at that because the schedule was compact and everything that was my top priorities always conflicted with this group. Sure, yeah. But the great thing that the mini fringe did is that they paired, not paired, like as in one, two, but merged together. Uh, they brought over artists from the UK, which is where they are based. And then they also brought in local artists and banana, oh, right. ba- banana bag and bodice was one of them. And I was super curious about them really wanted to go to their show and didn't get a chance to. Um, Now, they have a new show, which is their first in many years, called Long Yarn. And the description is pretty short, just an old woman's adventure in piracy, wrestling, and crack addiction. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I'm just very excited about it based on the strength of their past work and how enthusiastic people seem to be that this theater company has got a a new show. It was included in timeouts write up of shows to be excited about in 2016. And one of their collaborators collaborators is Dave Malloy from Natasha Pierre, who has a very, he's really hitting his stride. Going to be coming to Broadway soon. And he has done, he did ghost quartet, which I loved. He did preludes. Is that what it was? Preludes. Yeah. Yeah. You really liked Jack. I did not get to see that, unfortunately. So anyway, I'm super excited about this show, but, Truthfully, I'm just excited about this entire lineup and that there are some people out there who are filling the space where I think that there is a need for more local artists to get second chances to present their work and also to get to present them in Brooklyn where a lot of these artists are based. Yeah, and all the venues that are uh, are part of this festival are venues that, that 
I've loved for a long time and that are people I think are just starting to break into the mainstream theater consciousness in New mm-hmm. York. So mm-hmm. it's also for me, in addition to getting to see some of these shows that I missed, either because I just didn't know that they were happening or because they had very short runs or what have you. It's great to be able to get a second chance to see those. Like, I'm so mad I missed Toilet Fire. Yes. Eliza Bent, yeah. uh, uh, her show, which is sort of uh, this this uh, solo show love letter to uh, the Poop. history of human defecation. Um, so that's coming back, um, which will be lo- lovely. But I'm uh, I'm I'm equally excited to be able to spend some festival time at these venues that I've come to love uh, and two of which are like literally five blocks away from my apartment. Uh, the Silent Barn in Bushwick is this incredible location that actually um, is rebuilding right now because they had a, a unfortunately a huge fire there a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. But it's this artist collective of live-in artists um, who do everything from textile work to uh, visual art to performance art, uh, and they're just lovely, lovely people and excellent neighbors. Um, and then, of course, a few blocks away from them is the Bushwick Star, also participating in this festival. Cloud City in Williamsburg, um, which oh, is just the yeah. kookiest, most wonderful like living room venue. I've seen a lot of really cool stuff there. Um, and then the and then sort of uh, bigger names like the Brick are participating too. So I, I kind of with you, Lindsay. I want to see everything in this festival. Um, yeah. Anything you want to highlight? Um, definitely, um, just because I want to support everything that they're doing, uh, the two founders of this festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what is, it's uh, Eliza Bent and uh, Teresa Bookheister. So their two shows are the two I plug. So Toilet Fire is um, uh, Eliza Bent's show, and Teresa's show is Biter Every Time I Turn Around. She didn't write it. Um, it's actually two player. It's two plays back-to-back, but it uh, was originally presented at the Silent Barn, where it's being revived as part of this festival. Uh, and it was a uh, presented originally through her theater company, Title Points. Um, and they're sort of like a, a theater company in residence at the Silent Barn. Um, so I definitely want to make sure that that gets out there. That's a, a cu- It's two plays about a couple who are dressed in sort of like silent film clown get-ups mm-hmm. and there's like a slight vaudevillian sort of bent mm-hmm. to the writing and it, but it's very dark and strange and, and kooky so um and I'm a sucker for that stuff so I'm definitely gonna be there Toilet Fire was just running where? Abrams Art Center that's it yeah and literally that, like just closed it was at Jack right? yes yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's so it's couple. been around yeah and I've missed it every time me so too I will not make that mistake this time for sure cool cool Liz? Uh, yeah. Let me see. One more? I got one more. I got one more in me. Um, so Intimacy from the Ranters Theatre of Australia. Yeah. Love the name. Again. God, nobody names a company better than Indie Theatre. Yeah. Um, what was the other one? Banana Hammock? What was banana, <laughs> what was banana, banana Bag. Banana corset. Bag and Bodice. And there oh. is the story on it's their website how they name. came to have that name. Yeah. If you are interested in I'm, I'm deeply interested. Yes. yes. Um, so this is a show that I know very little about. Uh, it's part of Coil, and it's coming from Australia. And again, the sh- shows that I saw in Coil last year that came from Australia, I loved. Mm. Uh, so it is based on a series of real, intimate, and diverse conversations with strangers. And it's just about... I'm taking Lindsay to this show. The way that people talk to strangers and interact with strangers and the way you can tell strangers secrets that maybe you don't tell <laughs> people you know. Yeah, Lindsay, it's going to be I fun. Just we'll like go. I a brain aneurysm. <laughs> yeah. I'm dragging Lindsay to the um, show. Yeah, awesome. and I mean... And I Wait, want, is I'm it gonna participatory? Lie. Well... I hope so. I watched a video. <laughs> <laughs> I watched their trailer, and the trailer doesn't illuminate shit. Um, <laughs> but there were people on stage. Um, they were being... Like their pictures are being projected behind them, and they were like 
dancing and talking. So I don't know, maybe. Uh, it just, it. I can't really figure it out, but I just have a hunch that it's going to be weird and I might like it. It just made me think of Nicole's like getting naked in a bag story. You know, it seems yeah. like that kind of show. Cool. Alrighty. And what was our wood festivals? Is part of? That's part of Coil. Ah, cool. Okay. Okay, my last one is from American Realness, which I already mentioned briefly. It's at Abrams. It is called A Ride on the Irish Cream, and it is by the brilliant creator, performer, cabaret artist Aaron Markey. Oh yeah. And it is a musical created by her and starring her uh, about it is a queer love story um, between a character Marky plays and a character called Irish cream who is played by Becca Barnwell, who is a trans actor. It's a live band and an original score. And there's pretty much nothing I don't love about this show already. Damn. So I'm super excited. <laughs> What's for the name it. of it? Sorry. A ride on the Irish cream, a ride on the Irish. Cream. What have I, I've seen uh, Becca in something. Oh, really? Lately. I, I couldn't tell you what it was, but I, I recognize. I don't have her bio name. in front of me, but. I recognize her name. I don't know. I'm expecting that one to be very exciting. And Aaron Markey did um, the Daddy Warbucks, right? The walking tour? The walking tour, yeah. yeah. The Annie walking the tour. Annie walking oh. tour. Yeah. yeah. She's probably best known as a cabaret artist. Yeah. yeah. But I've I've never seen her do cabaret, actually. Yeah. I've only ever seen her do theater stuff. Cool. Um, I, I You know what? I just decided I'm going to talk a little bit about Under the Radar. <laughs> <laughs> I just decided this. Because you can't okay. not help yourself. I know. And also, we, we haven't talked about it a lot. I'm going to point um, out, Jack's wearing an under-the-radar hat. I sure am. <laughs> today. That I will not... You, this is, by the way, uh, for those of you who have not met me, if you plan on coming to the public, um, I'm the guy in the black beanie that says UTR in uh, in orange. I'm going to be wearing this for the next two weeks of my life. But he will not have showered, so approach no. your own <laughs> discretion. Why start now? That's what Who's I said. Who's that smelly hobo in front of the public? <laughs> well, that must Why, be Maximo's Jack? own Jack. <laughs> That must be. Um, no, I just because we're doing one cool thing this year. Um, and all I'll say is that uh, for the first time in a while, uh, Under the Radar uh, will be primarily under the roof, under one roof, under the public's roof. It hasn't been in the past few years. We've really? had, yeah, yeah, we've. I mean, it's really? been a lot of it, but we've had some. We've had to uh, the generous support of uh, La Mama, like that. We had a couple shows happen there. Uh, yeah. We had a lot of shows happen there last year, the past couple of years. But luckily, this year, um, most of our shows, with the exception of one, um, are going to be. Uh, um, at under the roof of the public theater, including this brand new series, um, Incoming is coming back um, with some cool stuff. But in addition to that, there's going to be an Under the Radar at Joe's Pub series, which I'm very excited for. For those of you uh, who have not been to Joe's Pub uh, before, this is a great chance to come see it. Uh, a couple of regulars are de- uh, Joe's Pub regulars are developing new shows, one of which is uh, Martha Redbone. Um, her show Bone oh. Hill is going to be presented there, which is like a an autobiographical journey through her relationship with the blues and her family. And the other one, which was a highlight for me at last year's Under the Radar Festival Incoming, is the uh, duo uh, Dark Matter and their show it, Hashtag It Gets Bitter, um, which is, uh, I'm, I forget the name of the two artists uh, off the top of my head, but uh, they are poets and sort of spoken word poetry, that kind of thing. And they did a version of their show last year that had me on the floor laughing and deeply, deeply uncomfortable and checking my own privilege within like the same couplet that they said. So they're actually going to be in Joe's Pub uh, this time with uh, a more fleshed out show directed by the incredible Charlotte Brathwaite, if you don't know her. Um, she is an amazing director of devised work. Uh, so yeah, that might be the thing I'm looking most forward to at my very own uh, 
conflict of interest festival at Under the Radar. So is this an updated version of the show you already saw? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I wasn't sure about that. I didn't know if it was a new show or it was a continuation. It's, of, it gets better. My under, my, my impression of uh, of Dark Matter is that they have just a number of poems and they're kind of, they can stitch them kind of together to make a show. Uh, so it could just be, maybe it's different every night. Maybe they've got some new stuff in there. I hope they keep one poem that I still remember from last year, which was about white privilege at Hogwarts. Um, that was from the perspective of the Patel twins, the girl. Oh man, it was so <laughs> fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, that's, I'm very excited for, uh, for dark matter. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, we will be back this crew plus one more, I think. Um, oh, to discuss all the shows that we have seen at the festivals in the week. So I should go buy some tickets. Go buy so some tickets. So we will yeah. discuss immediately when we get off air how to get tickets for ourselves. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, you guys should uh, go to the link, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, um, that we're going to provide at the bottom of this podcast and get all your tickets, and we'll see you there. Yeah. Definitely. If you do see us at these festivals, you better say hello. You better. Yeah. It's nice. Well, can they recognize? Well, Maybe. Maybe people know I'll be the one in the like army cot in the lobby of the public theater. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's doing a durational performance piece <laughs> yeah. that coincides with I'm seeing, UTR. I have tickets to 25 shows right now. Wow. Yeah. In two weeks? Yeah, two and a half, yeah. Half. Luckily, yeah. luckily, um, X, the Exponential Festival uh, carries on into the next weekend. Because all yeah. these festivals end around January 18th, yeah. um, mm-hmm. right before Martin Luther King Day. And then... It, it, just blissfully, uh, exponential is carrying on to the following weekend. So that's actually when I'm seeing most of those nice. shows. Cool. Nice. Um, that's great. Yeah. Cool, guys. Cool. All right. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Maximu Theater and Performance Podcast. You can find us all on Twitter. Maximu is at Maximu. Jack is at Jack in Brooklyn. Liz is at Miss Liz Richards. And I'm at Lindsay Barons. We'll see you next week. <laughs>